Rugby Podcast for another week. I'm Nick McCardle in a post-Easter chocolate coma that I'll manage. Thanks very much for your company. Christy Doran is with us from foxsports.com.au and Fox Sports Rugby Expert and Rugby Australia Executive, Rod Kafer. Welcome to you. Hi, Nick. Good to have you on board. Hey, um, I don't know how you, your Easter was, but I know that you did get to look at a lot of rugby over the weekend, Kafe. What caught your eye? Well, I guess um, one of the things that was interesting for me was probably how good um, the Hurricanes have been travelling this year as a team who've um, came and played against the Rebels, and we had high hopes that the Rebels would do a pretty good job um, on Friday, and, and the Hurricanes just showed probably why they're a team who are, in many people's eyes, one of the favourites to win the competition this year, probably along with the Crusaders. But Hurricanes were great. I was really impressed with the way they played. And they're a team that I think people will now stand up and take even more notice of, if that's possible. Yeah, they've got some depth too, haven't they, with Ben Lamb on uh, on the edge there scoring four tries. Christy, what about you? What caught your eye? Oh, I just think the South African conference at the moment is just so evenly poised, a little bit like the Australian one, but we all thought coming into the season that the Lions would continue to build off the back of what they've done the last couple of years and they've really come to a hurdle and they've lost three of the last four. They've only scraped over the line against the Sunwolves and consequently it's, it's well, they're sitting out in front and well and truly still on 20 points with the Stormers on 13, but with the Stormers being beaten... By, uh, by the Bulls with Adrian Strauss scoring three tries in his 149th match. Uh, South African record. Well played to the lad. Running uh, a total of about seven metres to score them. At yep. tops. Yep. At tops. And then the uh, the Sharks absolutely dusting the Blues over in Auckland. So really interesting over in South Africa. Yeah, the Sharks were unbelievable against the Blues after a couple of pretty ordinary weeks in Australia. Um, for me, it was uh, James Chucky Stannard and... Um, what really is a tragedy for him, but also for the Sevens team uh, and the Commonwealth Games. I mean, he was uh, the victim of a one-punch attack uh, in the early hours of Friday morning, and, and to see him front up in front of the cameras yesterday it was just... It just made you feel sick in the stomach because he's obviously struggling. He's um, just been discharged from hospital with, with a fractured skull, and I'm sure everybody who's had anything to do with Chucky Stannard, and in fact any fan of Australian rugby, would wish him... All the best going forward. He won't be part of the Commonwealth Games, but he is hoping to be back for uh, for the Sevens World Cup later in the year, and we we wish him all the luck in doing that. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about the Hurricanes. What about um, where the Rebels are at post that game, and and certainly, you know, the the fallout from that game. It was a reality check. Did you expect more from the Rebels on Friday night? I think the Rebels demonstrated early on the sort of capability that they have. And one of the risks for the Rebels all season is going to be how um, that team deals with adversity just internally. And what I mean by that is it takes a while for teams to develop into good teams and, and good players to gel together as a team. And it normally comes about when you've been under the pump and, and the great teams have that capacity as every team at some point gets under the pump. They have a, they have a way to deal with anxiety, a way, a way to deal with pressure that gets applied in a game. And it's a collective point from a team, a collective viewpoint. The teams who are great 
soak it up, embrace it, look to one another, find a solution and then dig themselves out of a hole. That only comes, that sort of innate understanding comes with time together. The Rebels haven't had enough time to get together yet to be able to deal with that. They look very good when they're in front and playing well, which is what you expect because they've got a lot of great, very good players. Um, and they've got a good balance to their side. But it's not until we see them under pressure consistently that they learn about how to deal with that and then find solutions to those problems. That takes time. So I'm, I'm still pretty comfortable where the Rebels are. I think they'll finish the season significantly better than what they've started the season. They're still on top of the ladder at the moment and um, looking pretty good. I think they'll only get better. So to see them lose on Friday, not a surprise. Disappointing, a little bit, sure, because I'm an Aussie rugby fan, but not surprising, but I know that they will get better in time. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. And, and the thing that I noticed about the Rebels and, and over the last month against the Tars, we saw it, and uh, once again against the Hurricanes, is they seem to struggle, I think, with the with the tempo of the match a little bit in terms of the key moment in the game, I thought, was when Jack Debrisini let that ball bounce. Clearly, it turns in the favour of Ben Lamb, who picks it up and runs 60 metres to score the try. From that moment onwards, they looked flustered, um, and you spoke about adversity. Is a lot of that just coming back to your your leaders there for standing up and saying, this is how we, we, we um, respond to this? Because it seems a little bit indicative of where Australian rugby has been at for the last decade or so, is that at times when you look at New Zealand rugby, if, if they concede a try, they're so focused and they're methodical about how they get back into a match. How does Australian rugby and the Rebels work in that area, Kate? Oh, it's 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 it is a process of leadership. I mean, the, the issue that happened on you know Jack Debrisini, everyone ninety nine players out of a hundred let that ball bounce, and I'm pretty comfortable they let that ball bounce. It looked for all money like it was out on the full, and so there's no drama there. And the Hurricanes get the bounce, and it ends up being a good bounce for them. You know what? What ends up? You know, you make your own luck. Then Lamb chased it. They score, and then the Rebels let another soft one in off the kickoff. And before you know it, they're really battling in the game. And that was an opportunity for us to see how how do they come back from that? And and they just weren't able to find the answer, which is not unusual. That happens all the time. As that team develops, they'll find the answers to that, and they will understand more about what they've got to do not just individually, but then collectively and how they bind themselves collectively to, to become a good side. They've got the capacity to do that. That's the that's going to be the, the secret for them. And, and, it, and it, there's nothing else except time and understanding together that that creates that, that learning so that you can deal with those stressful situations. It's happened to them twice. It'll happen to them again. I'm not particularly worried by that because they're a good side. Uh, so they've got a four and two record so far. So the mentality that you're talking about there, Kaif, is what to do when you're starting to get behind in a game and you're starting to need to, to chase the game. But the reality is they were 19-8 up after half an hour. I'm interested to learn more about the psychology around being in that position in a game where you are up, you're not in control, but you're uh, in the ascendancy in a game that you expect to be the toughest test. And 
Is there a, a bit of looking at each other and thinking, hang on, um, didn't quite know this was going to happen and, and uh, what do we do from here when, when you're up in a game? There absolutely can be. Um, and, and it is, you know, momentum in games shifts, as we know, all of the time we see a team with momentum. The, the real key is how quickly can you get that momentum back and what what the Rebels were unable to do, unfortunately, was find a way to get the, get the momentum back. They, they just really possessed that ability to, to sneak and, and come back into the game somehow, to, to find that find the little magic formula that you grab the momentum off the opposition and you take it back for yourself. So that, that would have been something that, um, you know, Dave Vessels will be speaking about and looking at how they can do that. You know, this is a team who overperformed in the first six games of the tournament. We didn't expect them to be where they are. And, and it is a way, you know, there is a, some some need now for this team to reassess. They've got the buy. They can reassess. They'll look at the things that they need to do. They'll look at those moments in games, learn from them, and then given the opportunity in a game in the future, might be able to you know, find, find something that brings them back. Yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world for the Rebels by all means. There's quite a few positives, and you only have to look in that first half an hour to see that they were actually playing very well. Their intensity was superb. Um, and, and some of the, the players... In the in the tight five for that half an hour was really really impressive. I suppose it's just about sustaining that throughout the entire eighty minutes. What do you reckon, guys? Is, does the buy come at a, a good time for for the rebels? I think so. I mean, the buys, the you know, the buys are part of the competition. Rebels rebels have had a pretty solid run in this first six weeks. They've played a mixture of um, you know high quality teams and teams. At, at the other end of the, the the table, but they've sort of you know dealt with most in a way and been in every game that they've played. The two that they've lost, um, you know, against the Tars and, and obviously the Hurricanes, they led those games as we know for a period of time and then didn't didn't finish off. Um, they're, they're good signs. I mean, when a team goes out and never has a chance to win, never looks like winning a game. That's when you sit back and go, actually, there's some systemic problems here that we might, that, that are bigger problems. The Rebels don't have that issue at all. They're a team who can score tries. They've got a great running forward pack. They've got real speed and ability and try scoring capacity on the wings. You look across the board, you go, this is a team that could shake any team in the competition, no doubt about it. Get a bit of luck, get a bit of cohesion, get a bit of um, momentum into the season, and who knows what could happen. The other thing that they uh, do achieve by having the buyers, Amanaki Murphy, who uh, probably would have missed next week anyway, he gets he gets that week off to get himself right after a head knock, and and it gives Dane Hale Petty another week to get himself yeah, right as right. well. So two star players you would expect to be uh, available uh, in their next outing. What about and you? You and I, Cave, sat on Saturday and and uh, sat through what at times well it was a bit of a difficult game to watch the Brumbies. And, uh, and the Waratahs, and the Tars got it done in Canberra in the end. Um, with, a bit of, uh, with a bit of distance, a bit of hindsight, what was your take on that game? I mean, it was a good performance from the Tars, I think. You know, any time you go to Canberra and win, um, it's always it's been tricky for, for teams historically. Um, over the last couple of seasons, the Brumbies' home record's probably dropped a little bit now, I think, below 50%. But 
certainly in years gone by, it had been a difficult place for teams to win. Um, and to go down there and to win the Warriors will be you know, pretty happy with that as, as a result. The Brumbies have, have struggled this year with a lot of talk about how they're re-energising their game. It's probably, when I, when I look across the, the players who sit in that in the back line for the Brumbies, um, you know, we, we have, you know, Tavita Kundrani, who's a Wallaby, um, starting Wallaby player. You've got Henry Spate, who's been um, in and out of the Wallabies over the last couple of years, certainly not a starting winger. Um, in the last season and then the rest of the guys who probably sit in that back line there are many of them you know Joey Powell's in and around that Wallaby team Christian has been but but not aside from that most of the other guys are um, not of what we would describe as real international standard players and that's probably the area where you know the Brumbies have to look at the game they're trying to play and just work out whether they've got the right cattle to meet that style of game. Um, when I look across their their back line, I see clearly the strengths for the Brumbies still reside in their forward pack where they do have um, out-and-out Wallaby starters in a, in a range of positions. You know, CO, Alan Alatoa, Rory Arnold at times. Um, you know, Blake Edever started um, as, as recently as the last couple of tests the Wallabies have, have played. And, of course, David Pocock, um, and, and other guys there in and around, like Issy, uh, Issy Nasirani, who's, who had an outstanding season last year. So when I look at the forward pack, I think that's where the Brumbies' strengths are. At the moment, they're trying to move a little bit away to play a different game, and I understand that. But maybe it's not really playing to their strengths. So that's something strategically, I think, from a coaching perspective, um, you know, that Dan Keller might need to look at. Being a little overambitious, you think? Overambitious, absolutely, um, and, and probably just not really matching a game plan at the moment to where the strengths of his team probably sit, and maybe they need to go back in time to the things that they were doing well and actually sit down and say, well, we can build a game plan around a very good forward pack. We've seen the Reds do that this season, just really build it around having a good dominant set piece and not trying to do too much else. The Brumbies, by comparison, are probably going, well, we need to do all this other stuff um, and, and, and have slipped away from probably where their focus could be on, on building something that might be a platform to then develop into a style later on. So how difficult is that when you're, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks into a season? Well, can you do that well, midway well, through a season? And that's the thing. So, you, you know, you, you've, you've made a bit about publicly about what you're trying to do and, and the direction that you're going and then you kind of have to about face and go, well, actually, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this. Um, and that obviously creates confusion and, and doubt. And, you know, how, how difficult is that for an organisation? It, it can be subtle. It, and it's subtle stuff that can work. I mean, we're not talking about, um, you know, the Brumbies doing anything that might be grossly different to what they're doing at the moment. I think there's some maybe some subtle changes that they could make in terms of the way they're playing, which might you know, still look pretty similar, but might just turn them back into an area that they might be stronger at um, as opposed to try to expand into something where they mightn't have the necessary skill sets within the within the, the guys within their team. I mean, they've had, they've had some changes in their midfield 
you know, they've had selection changes and moved people around, which again creates its own, um, its own issues. But, but equally, it's, it's, it's absolutely subtle stuff that I think you can bring a change in style quite quickly that might suit you without necessarily saying we're going to throw everything out. Little changes might have a big impact upon performance. So the Brumbies really have to win this weekend against the Reds. What would you expect them to say? How would you go about beating the Reds this weekend? Well, I think if, we, if you look at the Reds and how they've gone about their work and this year and how they beat the Brumbies earlier on, every game for the Reds has been large this time. It's been a development process of having an exceptional set piece um, and defending very, very well and just applying pressure to opposition teams, not not worrying too much about being um, uh, expansive and trying to score tries, although they have that ability and we've seen them do that. But the fundamentals to the Reds game are very good and the Brumbies have to, if they're going to win this game, have to look at the fundamental aspects of what the Reds are doing and try to upset them in, in that game and find strategies to to disrupt the Reds at both their scrum and their line-out and defensively. So they have to come up with some new stuff that the Reds are going to... Um, that will cause doubt in the Reds' minds. And if they can do that, then the Reds might find themselves moved away from the game plan that they've been working on and having to come up with another solution that they don't have. That's the challenge for the Brumbies this weekend. How do they create a picture for the Reds that's not something the Reds are comfortable with? And also, how do the, if they do indeed achieve that, how do the Reds adapt to that? We're going to talk to Angus Scott Young shortly, and he's one of a group of um, you know young players, particularly in that forward pack, a young Reds forward pack. You take a group of young footballers out of their comfort zone and, uh, and you find out a bit about them and, and how they adapt and, and their maturity as well. That's right. And, and what you, you, would, you would say about the Reds so far this season is their young players have absolutely absorbed um, all of the pressure that's been dealt with them and, and typically done it really, really well and managed games very, very well um, and developed into this season with a lot of young players now who you start to look at and say, I didn't think that guy had this type of capability, but he's surprising me. And that's a great sign for team, and it's a great um, indictment, I guess, on the way that um, Brad Thorne's managed to bring this group of young players together um, and has set out the standards that he wants from a team, the things that he's looking for, the way he's going to build his game, the way he's structuring both his attack, his defence and his set-piece. He's brought it together in a way that the players understand and they're, and they're thriving and relishing the opportunity to continue to play. And they've played, again, another team who's probably exceeded some expectations. Kaif, we're going to go back to the Tars in a moment because it's important to acknowledge how they've played Israel Folau out for three to four weeks and they've got a huge next month if they want to try to make the finals with a, a bloody tough end of the season against New Zealand sides. Language, Christy, please. Ah, it's okay. It's all right. With the Reds, are you surprised? Well, Samu Karevi uh, at 12, Chris Fowler-Sautio at 13. Is that what you're thinking with the Reds going forward? Because Duncan Powell had a great NRC campaign, but doesn't seem like he's quite hit the straps on that form of, of last year. Uh, it's not always just necessarily form for player. It, it can be just 
style that a coach wants and what he's looking to achieve and who best fits his style. And in the same way that I mentioned about the Brumbies when I look across their team and say, you know, do the players fit the style? What comes first, players or style? My view is, um, you know, personally, that you, you look at your players and you look what you've got. And when you can identify the skill sets that you have within the team, you can then start to fit game plan around them. And and I think maybe in a way, um, you know, the, the selection may well be, I don't know for sure, but it may well be just about, well, actually, these, this group of players really fit the style that the Reds mm. are going to play. So, you know, Brad said, I'm going to pick this guy over this guy in this position because that's actually better for the team. Of course, that makes a lot of sense, right? We all sit back and go, surely that's what coaching's about. It is, but it's also that ability to recognise what your style is, be very clear about it, stick to it, and then pick people who can deliver your style. And and I, and I can sort of see in the, in the way that, that their team has evolved in the first half a dozen games this season, it's, it's been an evolution of that process of probably getting getting the people now to, to match the style that, the Reds are going to play, which has been also exciting to see that evolution. And we've seen these young guys or different people in different positions start to perform really, really well for the Reds. And I, and I think that's you know really encouraging. Well, one of the, the big talking points going forward, I think particularly against Ireland, uh, is, is who's going to play 13 for the Wallabies. Are you? Where do you see Samir Karevi in his development at the moment? Do you see him more of as, as a 12 or, or a 13? Um, having having a guy like him who can probably fit either positions, you know, not a bad thing. And having the opportunity to play in both of those positions, not a bad thing. Um, I think with Samo, and, and I, I, I love Samo from an attacking perspective. He's got such a great skill set. That ability to score tries, offload, carry the ball is absolutely something you need in the midfield in the game. The one aspect that Samo is is a work in progress for him is his reading in defence and how he how he defends. He can make tackles absolutely, but um, because and I often see this, and again it might be doing a disservice to him because I think defence is probably the weaker part of his game. For looking at his attack and his defence, would say much better attacker by comparison than what he is a defender. But when I look at his game um, and I sort of look at his evolution as a young player, not that I saw him a great deal as a young guy, but being big and physical, probably never had to really think too much about his defence. He's always probably was bigger, faster than some of the other guys he was playing against and could always deal with that um, when he was a young player. So probably never had to learn a great deal about the the science of defence. And that's the evolution for him now, is how does he get smarter when he defends? Outside centres are much more difficult to position to defend in than what inside centre is. That's the reason I spent most of the time at inside centre as a player. But inside centre is the, the easier of all the positions to defend in in the back line. So um, it might be for him that inside centre is a is a better fit for his skill set at the moment. Um, and that um, you know if he can if he can work and continue to evolve his defence, um, that that's an area that probably. Is, is going to allow him to get to the next level of being a very consistent test performer because he's great in attack, no question about that. J- 
just needs to put that polish on his defence. Um, just quickly, and we know that you do have to go, but a, a quick thought on the Waratahs and a suggestion in a newspaper article today that you know, after the loss uh, in Argentina, maybe we might have all judged them a little too harshly. There was a lot of sort of banging of heads going on and that maybe they're a bit better than all of that. They're, they're kind of proving to be, aren't they? There's no question that the, the, you know, the, the Waratahs let themselves down last year. We're a team who were in many, many games last year, had opportunities to... to well, had the capacity to score lots of points last year, just leaked too many points. And I know that that's an obvious thing to say as well when you lose, but they have ability to score tries. They've got points in them. Their attack is actually not an issue for them. Last year it was about um, defence, which then got um, associated with probably a lack of conditioning and a lack of fitness, and they were run over the top of um, in many games or started poorly in many games, got behind and couldn't make up the difference, yet had the capacity to score. They are a team who have been together for a while. Daryl's been there in his third year, and he's made some statements about what he expects out of the team this year, and they are delivering. The thing that worries me a little bit about the Tars, if anything, has been probably their capacity to carry through their forward pack. They don't have many ball carriers in their forward pack and therefore rely much more on their back line. And when, and when conditions maybe slow down as we get further into June and there's a couple of wet games and tracks get a little bit heavier, that might hurt the Tars. But um, they're absolutely a team who I think are playing a nice brand of rugby. They're mixing up their game very well. They haven't yet put a complete performance together in any of their games and have, you know, you can see just looking at them that they are a team who I think, you know, certainly have capacity to play much better. Whether that's going to be enough to keep them at the top or to get them to the top of the Australian standings, I don't know over time. But they've certainly performed pretty well against both the Rebels in turning, in turning that around in an amazing performance. And then to go down to Canberra beat the Brumby. So but there's something there. They definitely have great capacity. And it'll be interesting to see how that team continues to develop. Just one last one before you before you go, Kaif. The the fact that the Waratahs they knew that they didn't have a, a big forward pack. Were you surprised that Daryl Gibson didn't go out and get a couple of bigger type five players? It's it's not like we can just pick them out of anywhere, Christy. They don't just exist. All these bloke, <laughs> no one's seen him before. Let's grab him. He's ours. It's not how it works, you know. So um, you know, there's there's. They, I mean, let's not forget they have Sakopi Kepu. You know, they've got um, uh, Ben Robertson. They've got um, uh, t- you know Tom, guys. Tom Robertson. Tom Robertson. T- sorry, Ben Robertson. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. Get him out of retirement. <laughs> I've got him out of retirement. <laughs> Tom. Apologies. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they've, and and, and um, uh, you know other guys. Obviously, Wallabies in their back row and Wallabies all over the place. Jed Holloway's been an important inclusion coming back in from injury. Rob Simmons as one of their locks. I mean, uh, Ned Hannigan. These are guys who are in the Wallaby, uh, current Wallaby team. They are players who've got, um, you know, great capacity. What we probably haven't seen is just the balance and getting that balance right. But the way the Warriors have tried to manage that, 
is they're playing an attacking style of game that, that does, I think, suit their players. They are actually matching up from an attack perspective the, the skill sets that they've got and the way that they're using them. And I think that's working well for them. It's a little bit different, again, this year. Another team have made some changes in their attack and it's paying dividends. It's taken, you know, they started it last year. They got rewards in attack, but didn't defend well enough to take advantage of it. This year, they've turned that around. Their attack's still functioning very, very well. They're defending a little bit better. Um, and and they're winning games off the back of that. So, you know, it does take a little bit of time. And it's not as if, as I said, Christy, that you know they, they don't have the cattle. I think they've got the cattle to, to make the most of um, you know the, this season and to deliver what it is that they need. Uh, Kaith, I know your body's a temple, but did you indulge on the weekend? Did you allow yourself just a, a little bit of chocolate? What would you describe, Nick, as a little bit of chocolate? Oh. Because maybe you and I have a different um, threshold for what we would describe well, as a little bit of chocolate. Well, when it comes to you, I'm thinking about a kilo and a half. Would that Is have that- been... Per day, yes. across the four days, yeah, because yeah, that's probably where I sat. Yeah, I no, that's, that's good. That's what I, that's what I thought. <laughs> no, I'm pleased to hear it. Uh, thank you very much, Rodney. Look forward to catching up soon. See you during the week, my well, friends. Thanks, Rod. Rod Kafer joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. And uh, it is a very warm welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast to uh, Young Queensland Red, Angus Scott Young. Angus, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me today. All good. Um, good to have you on board and great to, to catch up. And it's been uh, a stellar start to your Super Rugby career. You got your run-on debut uh, against the Jaguaris uh, just a, a few weeks ago. What's it been like? Is it, has it kind of been everything you'd expected or, or even a little bit more? Um, to be honest, I think it started pretty bloody well. I couldn't really have pictured it to go on any better. Um, I went off, uh, came off the bench for those first two games against the Brumbies and Bulls. And both wins at home that were pretty important. So I loved that. And then Thorny gave me a chance overseas, which I loved that a lot more. There was heaps of fun starting out there and playing the full 80 minutes. But that was heaps of fun. So hopefully I can play a couple more in the coming weeks. I'm certain you will. You've had you've come in off the bye after returning from South Africa. What have you been just doing the last week or so? Uh, me personally or the team? Oh, you, mate. It's all about you. Um, well, just had a week off. We had a pretty pretty rough time with travel. I'm sure you have probably heard all the articles about that. But just recovering from that, um, the sleep schedule is still a bit bit upside down at the moment. I'm a bit of a night owl. But um, me personally, I've just been catching up on a bit of uni. I missed out on and you know getting the body right for, for the Brumbies this week. So not too much. What are you doing at uni? Because we've done a bit of uh, scratching around in the background, done a little bit of homework on you, and, uh, and everyone says, geez, he's a smart bloke. What are you doing at uni? <laughs> Um, so, technically, I'm doing science commerce dual at UQ at the moment, um, just two bachelor degrees, but I'm technically in what they call pre-med, so I'm guaranteed to do medicine after that. If I, you know, if I finish the undergrad, I can go into med, so oh, so, they're right. so they're right, you are a smart bloke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah somewhat, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know about street smarts, though. <laughs> so, so, how do you fit that in? Because, you know, we know how hard you guys work uh, on the rugby side of things, and then you, you finish that, and you've... Got to go and tick all the boxes on, on the study side of things. That must keep you very busy. Yeah, it's pretty busy. It's a bit of admin as well, just coordinating with the university. But uh, it's been, well, I've been doing it since I finished school, doing full-time. So 
I'm just pretty keen to get my degree done, so I just go home and study pretty much after training. And after training, and how hard is Brad Thorne working uh, with you and, and working you out? Because you've been with him a couple of years now since, what, the Queensland under-20s coming yeah. through there, so I'm sure you know him quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thorne's, Thorne's been pretty massive, you know. He's been working with a lot of the young boys, so coming through now in the Reds, which is pretty cool. as a bit of a pack together, so it's exciting. What was what was pre-season like under him this year? Um, yeah, it was, pre-season was pretty tough. Um we did a, did a nice little army camp for a couple of days there, which was pretty testing on a lot of boys. Um, other than that, we're just running around in the heat up here five or six days a week, so it wasn't that much fun. Does it feel like you're part of something special in terms of a, a new era for the Reds? You know, there are a lot of sort of guys in that 19, 20, 21 age group. It, it, conceivably, if everything goes to plan, you guys are going to play a lot of rugby together over the next few years. Does it feel like there's something happening yeah i think it's pretty special at the moment um like you said there's a few young guys all around my age coming through together which is you know it's awesome to have a little group there you can always rely on but i think the whole culture is pretty good at the moment you know we've got a few old guys who kind of hang out together and they lead the way and the young guys kind of follow suit so i think it's a pretty good dynamic at the moment i wouldn't really change it so hopefully it just yeah keeps going the same way on the field this weekend, you're coming up against the Brumbies and, and clearly a great win to start the year for, for you guys earlier at, at what would have been the start of March where you chalked up the first win for the season. Uh, for, for you, you started last week at, well, a week and a half ago against the Stormers at, at six. You're going to have Scott Higginbotham likely come back, Luke Antui likely come back from suspension. There's guys like George Smith starting to return to training and whether or not he's fit to, to take his spot or be up for for selection this week, we'll see in the coming days. There is a lot of depth in that Queensland side. For, for you, uh, firstly, I'm sure you're hoping to, to start once again, but what's it like having that much depth and competing for your sport each week? Um, mate, it's only really a good thing, um, having that much competition for spots. You know, Thorny was talking about you know, rugby's a competitive game and, you know, when you have competition in, in your position, it makes you a better player. So, yeah, with George coming back and, you know, Luke Hunt coming back this week, it really highlights how um, how many players we can play. But for me, personally, yeah, I just want to try and keep in the mix in some capacity, you know, try and try and keep playing week to week. But, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely true that we've got a few, a few back rowers and second rowers coming back and a lot of depth in those areas. There's some superstars on that list as well. Obviously, yeah. your, your captain and, and George Smith. I don't know how much you've been able to, uh, how much time you've been able to spend around George Smith. But um, gee, there's some opportunities for you to learn off. Uh, well, some, some of the true greats of the game. Yeah, it's been awesome working with you know Higgy and and um, George. He's got a lot of tricks at the back of the scrum. There he knows from his, his time at number eight. And George just has a lot of knowledge especially at the breakdown. He's a bit of a master at that, so it's awesome to learn just after training, just do a few skills with him here and there. It's good to pick up that stuff, so yeah. Now, Angus, I do have to admit, uh, you make me feel quite old, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I spent uh, almost three years at, at B105 back in the uh, radio station in Brisbane, of course, back in the, uh, the early 90s, late, late 80s, early 90s, just after it converted from 4BK. And I was a young journo in the newsroom, and your dad used to come in, and he was the he was the guy that we talked to about rugby when he was playing at the Reds, and and uh, he was a lot of fun back in the day. 
how are you like, or are you like your dad, or, or are you a bit different? How would you compare yourself to your dad? <laughs> um, I actually get asked this quite a bit if I'm like Sambo, but apparently I look like him, which I don't really agree with. But um, <laughs> you know, as a temperament, yeah, pretty both pretty energetic, but then we differ in a lot of ways, especially on the footy field. He was the he was the loose cannon a bit, and I try not to do that. I'm not trying not to do that very much, but um, <laughs> yeah, we're pretty similar, I guess you could say, you know. And, yeah. and does he, how's he been in terms of, um, you know, I'm going to use the word pushing, but that's not really what I mean, but supporting <laughs> you through your career, because you've played a, a lot of junior rugby, of course, yeah. with Alex Horan, for example. Now, yeah. so, so Tim was never a big, he'd always almost talk Alex down to try and pull that pressure back off him. He didn't want him <clears> to feel the, the Horan pressure. And a bit like um, Greg Clark, who we work with here at Fox Sports, and, of course, uh, Cam's gone great guns over the last few years, but Clark, he doesn't really talk much about Cam either. Is is Sam like that with you? Does he kind of back off, or is he is he there fairly close to you um, through through your career? Um, I think he obviously enjoys, you know, watching me play and watching me do well, but he's never been that overly pushy, you know, parent. He's always been, he's always he's been in the sidelines, he's always been supporting, but he's never been pushing me. Um, almost the same, like you say, with Al and, and Timmy there. He's, he's, he's trying to let me do my own thing and, you know, follow my own rugby path. So it's been good so far. And whenever he crosses the line and gets a bit too in my face, I always tell him, you know, just settle, settle down and let me do my thing. But it's not too, not too bad so far. Very good. Angus, at what stage in your life did you recognise that you wanted to be a rugby player? Um, I've always had uh, rugby in my family. Ever since I was young, we were always watching footy, but I didn't really get serious with it until I went to the 2011 um, grand final at Suncourt when I saw the Reds win. That was pretty cool, pretty special moment. Um, So I thought about that and I was back. I think I was in grade nine. I thought that would be pretty cool if I could be a part of that team and, you know, win another championship with them. That's that's what I thought would be pretty cool. So I started training pretty hard then and then obviously went to the schoolboy pathway a bit and then ended up here. So that's kind of when I got serious since 2011. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on how the Reds have played over the last few years, but it's been a rocky road for Reds fans. Did you ever think I would want to be part of that Queensland side? Because there were questions of culture. There were coaches being sacked at various points in time. For a young bloke making, well, wanting to make a career in, in rugby, did you think that the Reds was always your side? Yeah, well, honestly, to be honest, I think, yeah, I've always wanted to be, you know, a Queensland Red. My dad did it, and it's always been the side I've been a part of. So even when they had a bit of turmoil the past couple of years off the field and, you know, on the field as well, I always thought I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and I kind of just see Queensland rugby as a whole as a bit of a bit of a sleeping giant at the moment where it's, it's been dormant for a while, hasn't really, you know, shown what it's capable of, and hopefully in the next couple of years we can pick it back up and be one of the front runners, you know, in Australia and the world. That's like, that's what I want it to be, so hopefully we can do that in a couple of years. Heading in the right direction. It's interesting to hear you say, you know, in a couple of years, because that seems to be the consensus that, um, that it's maybe not this year for the Reds, but project forward a couple of years, and it might well be. So what are your expectations as a team for this year? Like, what do you aim to achieve in 2018? Um, well, we pretty much just want to do as best as we can. That's all you can really ask. We've got a big four weeks coming up after the bye. We've got you know, two, two away games that are against 
Brumbies, the Waratahs, and the two massive home games, and we're just going to try and compete every week and you know keep winning. And we we think we personally think we're competitors. Um, we're humble about what we do, though, so we don't talk it up that much. But we'll just try as hard as we can this year, and try and do as best as we can. How do you go about beating the Brumbies this week? Um, well, we know the classic Brumbies outfit are going to be have good set piece. You know they've got some firepower in their back row as well with Pocock and Nazrani. You know they've got they're good runners um, and they've got some quick men out wide. So I guess we just have to nullify that and just stick to our game throughout the eighty minutes. When you've watched the Brumbies, I'm sure you've watched um, a, a bit of them play this year. Yeah. How do you think they're travelling? Do you think they're um, there's this sort of sense that they're caught between these two styles that uh, they have played in the past and the game that they're trying to play. What's your take on all of that? Uh, I think they're, they're a very strong team. You know, they've had a few rough games, uh, pretty tough pretty tough opponents the past couple of um, rounds, but I'm sure they'll bounce back and they'll, they're will they playing at home this week, so they'll always have a bit of fire on their home turf. But man, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're down and out at all. I think they're a strong outfit and, you know, we've got to play well this weekend if we want to try and match them. Yeah, well, if you look at the Brumbies as well, like they're not really competing too many points, uh, conceding too many points. So uh, I'm sure you'll probably expect for another tight affair like what occurred back in round two. Yeah, potentially. We've um, you know, we've put a lot of focus on our defence as well. So um, if it's a low-scoring affair, so be it. We'll just you know try and try and do our thing. Angus. That'll about do it, I reckon. Thanks so much for having a chat with us, mate. Um, terrific to learn a bit more about you and, and what goes on behind the scenes for Angus Scott Young. All good. Thanks for having me. Always good to meet uh, a new star of Australian rugby, and Angus Scott Young is certainly heading in that direction. Good to see him in action for the Reds in 2018. Let's have a quick look at the six games to come in week eight of Super Rugby. And Christy, it begins... The, uh, the 5.30 game on Friday night, 5.30 Eastern, of course. It's the Hurricanes hosting the Sharks, and the Sharks coming off uh, that big win over the Blues. They'd be feeling pretty good about themselves. So, too, the Hurricanes. They certainly would, but uh, the Hurricanes, they're not the leading New Zealand conference team for a reason. Uh, they'll, they'll win. I they'll agree. Win that yep, one well. The Hurricanes will win back at home, or they're actually at McLean Park this week in, in Napier. So, good to see uh, the game being taken to Napier. The Sunwolves at Prince... Chichibu Memorial Stadium in Tokyo. They are hosting the Tars. Can the Tars get a win against their Australian Conference rivals in Tokyo? Well, you would think so. They've progressed over the last couple of weeks. Back-to-back wins. I think they will make it three on the trot for the first time in some time too. That is the early game on uh, Saturday, part of Super Saturday on Fox Sports. I will agree with that. The Tars to win in Tokyo. Uh, the Chiefs hosting the Blues at 5.30 Eastern at, uh, in the Waikato in Hamilton. And, uh, well, the Chiefs would have to go in favourites there. Oh, the only way they will lose if Damien McKenzie goes off in the first couple of minutes. That bloke <laughs> is absolute class. An Aussie local derby on Saturday night. The Brumbies, they are home again against the Reds. That's uh, the game we touched on a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the Reds can win that coming off the bye. There's just not a lot happening with the Brumbies at the moment. Yeah, it's almost a flip of the coin kind of stuff. I think the Reds, they, they've been dusted by 50, 60 points in the last couple of years against the Brumbies. I reckon the Brumbies will squeeze home against them. <laughs> All right, we'll see how that goes. Early on Sunday morning, it's the Lions who, as you said, at the top have been struggling and they host the Stormers in Joburg.
uh, yeah, another one that it's hard to say. I would think probably the Lions, they weren't terrible against the Crusaders, and we all know how good they are. I think they probably, it's not make or break stuff yet because they're leading well. They should bounce back, I think. Okay, I'll go with the Lions there as well. And uh, then Argentina uh, at 7.40 a.m. Eastern on Sunday morning. You can get up and uh, get grab your, your toast coffee. and coffee. That's right. It's the Jaguares and the Crusaders. So the Crusaders going from Johannesburg to Argentina to, uh, to Buenos Aires. That's a, a tough road trip. Surely not, though. Surely. Are they right for the picking there? The I'm, I'm, I'm backing Argentina here. Ooh. I... I think uh, coming off the the bye round, the Crusaders uh, they've welcoming back troops slowly but surely. But I think the Hagiwara as the unstructured play could cause a couple of confusions for the Crusaders. All right, we'll see what happens there. I don't know about that. I'm I'm leaning towards the Crusaders. I'll get that sorted later in the week. There it is. Uh, so that's what we're looking forward to. Week eight of Super Rugby. It was terrific to catch up with Rod Kafer and Angus Scott Young today on the Fox Rugby podcast. Thank you for your company.